Heavenly Father, all your words are true and all your righteous laws are eternal. Help us by your spirit to listen to them now. O oh Lord, we pray that we would indeed again know that your word is true and that your laws are eternal and that we should keep them day by day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, of course, it is the day that we remember particularly the Lord's death and it is good for us to read a passage like Isaiah 53 and to ponder it today. That is the passage that we'll be looking at this morning. So I encourage you, if you've got a Bible before you, to open it up to Isaiah 53. And we'll be concentrating on this servant who is described in Isaiah 53. And some of you may ask the question as to who is this servant who's mentioned in verse 13 of Isaiah 52. See, my servant will act wisely. And of course, amongst biblical scholars and particularly Old Testament scholars and Jewish scholars, uh, there's much debate as to who the servant is. But we, of course, have the New Testament, which guides us to understand the Old, as the Old helps us to understand the New. And in the New Testament, uh, this chapter is picked up a number of times and applied to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the verse that we're going to be particularly looking at today is verse 7, and that verse is actually picked up in the New Testament and applied to the Lord Jesus Christ quite directly. Uh, verse 7 of Isaiah 53 is, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Now, this passage of Scripture is quoted in the New Testament because someone is reading it, someone who is not a Jew in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch is in his chariot on his way back from Jerusalem, and he is reading Isaiah the prophet. He's got a scroll there in his chariot, and he's reading this exact portion of Scripture. In Acts chapter 8, verse 32, we read, The eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture, and then it's quoted, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And the eunuch is trying to work out, Who is this servant? And we read in Acts chapter 8, The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself, is it Isaiah that is the servant, or someone else? And then Philip, we read, began with that very passage of Scripture, this very passage of Scripture that we have before us, and told him the good news about Jesus, about Jesus. He, he applied this passage to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we learn a lot about the Lord Jesus Christ from this passage. Of course, the, the Old Testament teaches us much about the Lord Jesus Christ, but some passages are much clearer than others for us to apply to the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is one of those. And I want us to learn particularly from verse 7 this morning. What can we learn from verse 7 about the Lord Jesus Christ? What does Isaiah have to tell us? And one of the first things we learn, of course, is that he suffered. He suffered in different ways. We read in verse 7, he was oppressed and afflicted. To be oppressed means that you have been pressed, that there is pressure on you. And the Lord Jesus Christ was someone who experienced pressure, experienced pain. And affliction is an idea of violence to your body, that if you're afflicted with something, that something is being done physically to you. And of course, we know the pain of the Lord Jesus Christ, particularly at the cross, was indeed oppression by evildoers towards him, and that there was affliction, there was violence done to him. And then the verse continues to describe this suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 7 it says, He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. We understand what it is to be slaughtered, and that it is this brutal attack upon someone's body. And there's also in verse 7 it says that 
He was a sheep before her shearers, that as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. It's a form of suffering to be shorn. You think of a sheep, and after it's been shorn, some look very nice and neat and tidy, but generally speaking, when I've watched videos or seen photos of sheep that have been shorn, they look a bit pathetic. Uh, they're there bleating away, and they're coat that might have been all nice and fluffy before is all ragged. Um, they may even uh, have bits of it torn in places uh, that it hasn't been cut very well. Uh, they haven't had a nice haircut. Uh, it's not like when you go to the hairdresser and get a haircut and they make it all nice and neat and tidy. A shearer doesn't do that to the sheep. And so it's an act of shame being put upon the sheep as he loses his nice woolly coat. Actually, was talking to someone about this, and uh, they said, oh, "Yes, they they know this experience of the shame that an animal feels when its coat's been taken off because they had a, a chow chow dog. I don't know if you know what a chow chow dog is, but it's one of those big fluffy dogs. And they said they had someone come and cut its hair for them, and he cut it back. This person who came so short that the dog went and hid for two weeks. It wouldn't come out for the shame." of losing its coat of hair. It knew that it had lost something and was ashamed of it until a little bit more would grow back. Now, does this fit with the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament? Yes, of course, I said, the oppression and the affliction, you see that, particularly at the cross, and the slaughter of Jesus. Yes, he was slaughtered at the cross. It was not a nice death that he went through. It wasn't some sort of euthanasia, as we call them today, good death. Uh, there's no such thing as a good death. Uh, but he wasn't injected in some sort of serum that would put him to sleep and then he would die, that his heart would be arrested. No, it was a horrific death. It was indeed a slaughter. And he was, of course, sheared, even of his clothes physically. We see that his garments were stripped of him, so he was shamed publicly. And also his dignity was taken away from him as well. That was shorn off. We see that with the mocking and the spitting, the beating, the whipping, and, of course, the crucifixion itself is a shearing of his dignity. Now, the thing that I want us to also notice is not just the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ here this morning, but I want us to notice in particular the way that he responded. What does Isaiah tell us about Christ's response to this suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ? We hear it twice here in this verse. We read, He was oppressed and afflicted, Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. The Lord Jesus Christ is described as responding with silence by not opening his mouth in the midst of such horrific suffering. Now, what does this teach us about the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, it teaches us the submissiveness, the non-retaliation of the Lord Jesus Christ to this suffering. And that, of course, fits with the description that we have of the Lord Jesus in the New Testament, particularly at his death. We see this submissiveness, this non-retaliation in the New Testament to the oppression, to the affliction, to the slaughter, to the shearing of his clothes physically and even his dignity. And we even see a literal silence from the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament in the face of such oppression. If we look in the New Testament as he's brought before different courts, we see how Jesus responds in silence. Firstly, he's brought before the Jewish synagogue, before the Jewish Sanhedrin, sorry, uh, the, the court of the religious leaders. And what do we read as he stands there with the high priest 
and the accusations that are being made towards the Lord Jesus. Matthew 26, verse 62 says, Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. And then when he's brought before the Roman governor, so he's taken before the religious uh, Sanhedrin, then he's taken before the secular court, and what do we read in Matthew 27 for Jesus' response? Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. You see, the Lord Jesus is indeed doing what is described here in verse 7 of Isaiah 53. And then he's also sent before another court, before Herod, the king, so-called king of the Jews. And what happens there? When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, we read in Luke 23, because for a long time he'd been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracle. He, that's Herod, plied Jesus with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. Before the religious court, no answer. Before the secular court, no answer. Before the royal court, no answer. Now, why does Isaiah note this submissiveness? Why is it unusual? Why does the Roman governor go, this is amazing to me, that this man who's being accused of so many things would not reply? Because it is unusual. It is unusual. In the face of pain and suffering, People open their mouths. They are not silent. Everyone squeals in suffering. We do not need to teach our children how to squeal when they're in pain, when they're being afflicted, when they're being oppressed. And everyone is particularly good at squealing when it's unjust suffering that is coming upon them, when justice is not being met and they're being punished unjustly. Even a man who's described as a great righteous man in the Old Testament, Job, he opens his mouth for many chapters, if you want to read it. It's a long book, really. But it's Job opening his mouth along with his friends, opening his mouth and talking about the unjust suffering he feels he is experiencing. You may say, what about the Lord Jesus? Was it unjust suffering? Yes, it was unjust suffering. 1 Peter 1 verse 19 says, He was a lamb without blemish or defect. Any oppression, any affliction poured out upon the Lord Jesus Christ in one sense is unjust if it is for him personally because he never sinned. He never did anything wrong. And so any suffering that is put upon him for his personal actions would be unjust. And so what would we do if we were oppressed and afflicted, if we were being led like a lamb to the slaughter, if we were being sheared, of our clothes, but also our dignity. We would cry out, wouldn't we? We would open our mouths. Every one of us would. We would cry out for justice if we thought we were being unjustly oppressed. And if we knew that we'd done the wrong thing, we'd still cry out. What would we cry out? We'd cry out for mercy. We'd ask for mercy, that this affliction would be removed from us. And then if we didn't get justice, and we didn't get mercy, and we continued to be led like a lamb to the slaughter, what would we do? We would bleat all the way, wail and squealing. We would open our mouths. We may be silent at times, but that's more to draw a breath so that we could squeal some more. I always know that with children, if you hear a thump and then silence. 
if there's a long silence, you know it's bad because they are drawing in as much breath as they can to then squeal as loudly as they can for the pain that they've experienced. That's what we would do. So why would the Lord Jesus do this? Why would he be submissive to suffering? Why would he not open his mouth to the great amazement of Pilate, but also to the great amazement of all of us, if we consider this verse and consider what is happening? Why would he be submissive to suffering? Was it because he was overpowered? He knew there was no point in fighting back. No. Jesus says, I could call 12 legions of angels to come and support me. And to set me free. But he chose not to use that power to set himself free. Why does he submit in this way? Well, it's not because he's overpowered like a sheep that suddenly realises I can't fight off the farmer here. Maybe it's because he didn't know what was happening. He didn't know what was happening. We think of animals and they don't know what's coming to them. The sheep is led to the slaughter silently because sheep doesn't know any better. He thinks things are going to go well. Things have always gone well for me. Uh, things will go well today as well. Just like the Christmas turkey gets well fed every day. Things is going to go on and on. Every day is going to be a good day. Even Christmas Day is going to be a good day. Doesn't know that he's being fed to be slaughtered. Is that the Lord Jesus? Is he silent before slaughter because he doesn't know what's coming to him? He thinks he's going to get off the hook at some point. No, Jesus knew better than anyone what was going to happen to him. All through his ministry, he's predicting again and again that he would suffer at the hands of men, that he would be crucified. He knew the death that he was going to die. And so he's not silent as an animal with a bird brain, like the Christmas turkey, or a sheep brain that doesn't know otherwise. No, Jesus knows what's coming to him. And yet he is still silent. And submissive to these actions. Why would the Lord Jesus do this? Well, there's many reasons, but at the top of the list would be what? Or at near the top of the list would be love. Love. Love for who? Love, firstly, for God, the true shepherd. And also his love for other sheep. Jesus loved God the Father. And so he was willing to do what the Father wanted. He says in John 14, verse 31, the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Why did Jesus go to the cross so willingly? Why was he submissive? Why didn't he protest with his mouth? It's because he loved God the Father and God the Father wanted him to go to the cross so he went without a word, without complaint. He went willingly as a sheep to the slaughter. And... Love for others, for other sheep. That's the motivation of the Lord Jesus Christ, to submissively go to the cross. He willingly gave his life for them. We read in John 10, verse 15, Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus wanted to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus wanted to be oppressed and afflicted so other sheep wouldn't be. Jesus wanted to be slaughtered so that other sheep wouldn't be slaughtered. Jesus wanted to be shorn of his dignity so that other sheep wouldn't be shorn 
of their dignity. Jesus wanted to give his fleece for other sheep who are wretched and pitiful and naked and blind. He wanted to cover them with his righteousness, that his righteousness would be put over to their account. But why does Jesus need to willingly die for other sheep? Surely there was no need for him to go. Well, Isaiah teaches us otherwise. What do we read in the verse just prior? Verse 6 of Isaiah 53. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yes, there was a need for the Lamb of God to go submissively to slaughter, because all of humanity has gone astray. All of us have gone astray. What are we like? Well, we're like lambs who have frisked away from the shepherd, going their own way. They know better than the shepherd knows, and we will go off in this direction. We're like rams who butt the other sheep and even bite other sheep. And if we get a chance, we'll even bite the loving shepherd as he comes up to us in his affection and his help. We will use our little sheepy mouths, which are so pathetic, really, to bite at the shepherd's loving hand. We are like sheep who are always bleating, always grumbling and complaining, disturbing the other sheep and disturbing the shepherd himself. Is it everyone? Yes. Isaiah 53 verse 6 is very clear. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. None of us can claim I'm just a poor, innocent lamb, like Jesus was. I'm a lamb without blemish or defect. I don't need Jesus to die for me. No, we are all sheep who have gone astray. We have all hurt other people. And of course, we have hurt God himself, the good shepherd. And what is a shepherd to do with such a disobedient, rebellious flock of sheep. What would you do if you had sheep? You're a farmer, you have sheep, and they're always going off in the wrong direction. They're always biting one another. They're always butting each other, causing wounds on one another. And when you go up and try and help them, they bite and butt you. What would you do with such a flock if you were a farmer and had such a flock? Well, you'd take the herd, you'd cut off their wool, and then have roast lamb... For eternity in the fires of hell, wouldn't you? That's what you'd do with such a rebellious flock. They're good for nothing other than to roast for their transgressions. And they're particularly disobedient when you contrast them with the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. How so? Well, the Lamb who never went his own way. He always went God's way. Christ's way was always God's way. The Lamb who was kind and gentle to other sheep and to the shepherd. No butting, no biting from the Lord Jesus Christ. A lamb who didn't disturb the flock or shepherd, but always spoke kindly and compassionately. A lamb who was willing to die so that others wouldn't be roast lamb for eternity. He didn't even open his mouth in protest, but subjected himself to the suffering. Whereas we've given the shepherd nothing but pain and grief for all the love that he's lavished on us. Just consider the human race, and how much love God has poured out upon them. And yet, they complain, they grumble, and they hurt one another, and they hurt God himself. Who can claim this morning that they should not be punished 
for eternity in hell, that they should not be roast lamb for eternity. But how do we then become one of those lambs who is not roasted for eternity? How do we become one of those lambs that the Lamb of God saves? Do we automatically become saved from the roasting in hell that we deserve? No, the Bible is clear that many disobedient sheep are punished in hell. It's a sad truth for us to consider that there are people who already have begun to experience the punishment that they deserve and will so will do so for all of eternity. So what are we to do? Well, some people would say we follow Christ's example. If you want to be a, a, a lamb of God who is saved from such destruction, then we follow Christ's example. Doing what? Well, we increase our sufferings so that we can escape the suffering of hell. You self-inflict bodily pain upon yourself. Whip yourself. Wear harsh garments. You may wear them under clothing so that others don't know what you're wearing, but it's causing itching all the time. You're suffering for your sins. You may starve yourself with fastings and sleep deprivation. And you may even consider us dying a noble death for others. If I give my life for others, surely God will save me from what I deserve. And all the while that I do it, I'll keep silent through it. I'll be like Jesus. I'll follow his example. He's an example for me to follow. And by following his example, I will be saved. I won't murmur in the pain. I'll put those clothes on top of the other clothes that cause me pain so that others don't know. I won't murmur. I'll be silent like a sheep before her shearers. No, that won't save you. Suffering in this world personally won't make up for all the sin and the waywardness that we have gone through. Do you really think that you can run amok all over the farm and the shepherd will let you go once you suffer a bit and stop your bleating? Will that really make up for all the pain that you've caused? Our sin is too serious. It can't be atoned. We can't atone for eternal suffering by some suffering in this world, by some affliction in this world. So what are we to do? How do we become one of those sheep that Jesus died for? Well, it's by opening our mouth, but not to bleat and grumble and complain, but to confess our sin, to confess that we all like sheep have gone astray, to confess that we've gone astray, that we've gone to our own way, and that we come to God now in repentance, to turn from our way to his way and believe that that Lamb of God took away my sin at the cross, that my iniquity was laid on him. And then that oppression and that affliction that the Lord Jesus experienced, the slaughter and the shearing, is applied by the Holy Spirit to your heart so that you do not need to be oppressed. You do not need to be afflicted. You do not need to be slaughtered and shorn for all of eternity, to be shamed for eternity in the sufferings of hell because Jesus suffered for you and you receive his work by faith as the Holy Spirit grants you such faith in your heart. And then what happens if you do that? Well, you start living according to the shepherd's ways. You have repented, not for fear of being roasted, 
but you follow his example because you delight in him. You have a joy in your heart that you will no longer be oppressed and afflicted for all eternity. You're delighted to receive forgiveness in Christ's name and to have been brought back into the fold. Though you don't deserve to be in God's fold, you are because of the work of that lamb. And we experience great joy. There is great joy in this passage. There's initial grief as we look at this passage. We look at the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. And who cannot look at this passage and feel sorry for the servant of the Lord? But there's joy in this passage for us. This is one of the favourite passages of Christians. Lots of Christians memorise this passage. Why? When it talks so horribly of the suffering of God's servant, because they know that this action that is taken, this will of God to crush the servant, means that they will never be crushed. There's a joy that springs in your heart when you know that you are not to be slaughtered. You're a lamb that is not to be slaughtered and roasted for eternity. You are now clothed in Christ's pure white fleece. When God looks at you as the shepherd looks at the flock, He sees you in glowing terms. You feel your sin, yes, each day. But you know that when God looks at you because of your trust in Jesus Christ, because of his work, God sees you in a golden fleece, a pure white fleece. And so you are right with God. He delights in you and the purity of the Lord Jesus Christ put upon you. And you now go the Lord's way because of the work of that sheep so many years ago because of the lamb of God instead of your own way and one day one day you'll be taken to that eternal sheep pen to be with the saviour to be with the lamb of God himself where we will all all those who trust in Christ Jesus we will all lie down in green pastures and be led beside quiet waters and he will restore our souls in that place. The tension of the pain and sorrow in this passage before us, I think, is summed up very well by that hymn of Fullerton, which is actually in your bulletins today. Uh, we're going to sing it in a moment. I cannot tell. Uh, I cannot tell, uh, and it's the second verse. Second verse where it says, I cannot tell how silently he suffered. As with his peace he graced this place of tears, or how his heart upon the cross was broken, the crown of pain to three and thirty years. There you see the suffering of Christ. I just, I cannot understand it fully. I grasp at it. I cannot tell how silently he suffered, what it was for him to submit. How did he keep his mouth closed through all of that? I cannot tell. But this I know. He heals the brokenhearted. Yes, I've experienced that. And stays our sin and calms our lurking fear. Yes, I've experienced that. And lifts the burden from the heavy laden. For yes, the Saviour, Saviour of the world is here. We cannot know the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And thankfully, we never will if we trust in him. We will never know what it is to be led like a lamb to the slaughter and keep our mouths shut. Because he has done it for us. But this I know. He's healed my broken heart and stayed our sin, my sin and calmed my lurking fear. And he's lifted my burden. 
I was heavy laden, but he's lifted my burden. And so the saviour, saviour of the world is here. Have you repented of your waywardness, that you're a sheep who's gone astray? And have you then trusted in the submissive lamb of God? So submissive, did not even open his mouth in the face of such oppression. And then do you know the joy? You've repented of your sin. You've trusted in his work. Do you know the joy of being forgiven and of looking forward to green pastures, eternal green pastures for eternity with the Lamb of God? Let's come before him in prayer. Let's speak to him. Lord Jesus, we praise you as the truly meek and submissive one. You are the one who loved the Father and loved us so much that you were willing to be oppressed, afflicted, slaughtered, and sheared of your clothes, literally, and all your dignity in our place. We deserve the oppression. We deserve the affliction. We deserve the slaughter. We deserve the shame. So we come and we confess our waywardness again and ask that you grant repentance this morning to anyone here today who still faces eternal destruction for their sin. Oh, Lord, may you impress it upon their heart by the power of your Holy Spirit as they hear the Spirit's word in Isaiah. Oh, Lord, we pray that they would understand that they, like a sheep, have gone astray, that they have turned to their own way. But, Lord, we pray that they would come and know that the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of them. And we pray this in Jesus' name.